This week at Hope Point. I think as a, as a believer, I have to ask this question to myself. Have I lost my burden for the things around me? Have I lost my tears for those who are going through whatever they may be going through in life? Have I lost my burden? Nothing happens out there until something happens in here. And nothing happens in here until something happens in here. This is where it starts. Me as an individual, me as a follower of Christ, to be that church member, that model member that is expanding the Lord's work in my life. We're so glad to have you join us for today's message. We pray that it would challenge and encourage you to applaud God, follow Christ, and live on mission. Let's listen now as Keith Phillips speaks to us from God's Holy Word. Uh, I am very grateful uh, to your pastor. I, I really am. I consider this a privilege and an honor uh, to be able to stand before you this morning. Um, first and foremost, because the Lord gives the opportunity, and second, because uh, it's a blessing and it's a privilege to be able to have the opportunity to speak through, from him as he, as he leads, but also to see you. And I thank you for being here today. And uh, just pray with us as we go into today's uh, message today. Uh, I am going to pray and then we'll introduce the, the topic for today. And Father, we thank you for your kindness and goodness. And we pray that you accomplish today in our hearts, Lord, what it is that you want to accomplish if there be somebody here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, we pray that today they would be aware of that and that they would answer that call. And Lord, for any uh, believer here today, God, that's going through whatever they may be going through in their lives, I pray, God, that they would know that there's hope in you. And I'm praying, Lord, for just any of us in here today, Lord, who just say, you know, I, I, need, to, I need to make some changes in my life. So your will be done through your word. And because you are always faithful and have our interest in your heart, we in advance say thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be today in 1 Thessalonians, and I'm going to be in chapter 1. So if you want to turn your Bibles there or use your phones for that to follow along this morning. And today I want to talk to you for just a few minutes on a, a, something that I've titled a model church, not the model church, but a model church. In other words, what does God expect? What is it that God wants his church to look like? Who is his church? We are his church. This building is the place where the church meets. But you and I who know the Lord, we are the church. And I said this in an earlier service this morning. Would you not agree that if there was ever a time when the world needs the influence and needs the, the focus of the church. It's now, amen? amen? I mean, right now. And so God, God wants us and expects us to be that light on the hill. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about a little bit. Paul talks to the church at Thessalonica and he kind of clarifies and speaks it out for us. What does a model church What's it look like? And model churches need model members. 
not perfect members, but members who, uh, who are prioritizing their intimate relationship with Christ. And so we're going to talk about that just for a little bit. And I'm going to start in chapter 1 of Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians, and read some verses for us right quick. In chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians 1, he says, To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your works of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For your gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you, because you became followers of us and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what matter of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true Lord and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. So, excuse me, so Paul writes this letter to the church at Thessalonica to give them encouragement because it, it wasn't easy. It's not, it's not easy now, but particularly in their day, it wasn't easy to be labeled as a believer. And every church were facing their, their unique obstacles. And so Paul was writing this letter and encouraging and commending them during a most difficult time. It is a time in our culture now that if you really want to think about it just for a moment, we all know that, that who doesn't, who's not heard about COVID? I mean, we've all, we all know about COVID. And we've all seen the things that are happening in our world around us. And you know, I don't know, I'm just thinking to myself as this is happening, I'm thinking, boy, the... God really shook things up in church, didn't he? I mean, he really shook things up. And he didn't do that. He didn't do that just to be doing it. I think in my own, in my own heart, in my own life, and from what I, my studying, and even as, you know, Pastor Richard's been going through Revelation, folks, I think God's saying something to the church, don't you? I think he's saying something to us. Because we're living, in, we're living in the days to where the world needs a light. And so Paul was also, as they were going through their crisis, Paul was 
also speaking to these people and commending them for who they have become. Um, I heard a man say one time, several years ago, I was getting ready for church one morning, and I had the radio on, and I'm assuming it was a message that a gentleman was preaching, but he said, he said, the church is not a hospital that we spend so much time mending the saints. I thought, that's, that's wrong. <laughs> this is a hospital. It's a gospel center hospital. It's a place where, where our souls are mended. It's a place where we put ourselves in the position to hear the gospel, for God to deal with us, to love on us, to mend us, a place for us to be with our, our church family and the people who are like-minded like us. So this is the place. This is the place where, uh, you know, so, so often in life I've heard this said that, that we go through life and we accumulate stuff in our life and we um, come and we get saved. Very, very good thing to do. Absolutely the most important thing in life. But we don't, we don't really take care of our soul. We kind of raise our soul up and sweep all the baggage under there and lay the soul back down and start singing hymns. <laughs> but what God, what God wants to do is He wants to heal me. Y'all believe that? He wants to heal me and help me to be the person that He wants me to be so that I can be Great Commission-minded and minister to other people. But that won't happen in my life until something happens inside of me. And so Paul was commending these people about the type of church they were. And the Bible also makes a lot of reference to that about the church family. For example, in Romans chapter 12, there's several verses. I won't read all the verses, but I'll make the points. Like in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, Paul says, we are members of one another. In the same chapter in verse 18, he says, we should be devoted to one another. And then in verse 10 of chapter 12, we should honor one another. In verse 16 of the same chapter, we should have the same mind toward one another. And then Romans chapter 15, verse 7, he said we should accept one another. And then the last one I wanted to give you is he said in chapter 15, verse 14 of, of Romans, he said we should admonish one another. So the writer here, Paul, in, in this particular what I'm talking to about now, there's a big thing about how we relate to one another here and then how we relate to others as God uses us where we go. I want to read something to you that I ran across a long time ago. I think it might actually be a song now. I don't know, but I want you to listen to this. This one guy wrote, he said, if this is not a place where tears are understood, then where shall I go to cry? And if this is not a place where my spirit can take wings, then where shall I go to fly? I don't need another place to impress you with just how good and virtuous I am. No. And I don't need another place for always being on top of things. Everybody knows that's a sham. I don't need another place for always wearing smiles when I know that's not the way I feel. 
I don't need another place to mouth the same old sayings. Everybody knows that's not real. So if this is not the place where my questions can be asked, then where shall I go to seek? And if this is not the place where my heart's cry can be heard, then where shall I go to speak? And if this is not the place where tears are understood, where shall I go to cry? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> That's the body of Christ. And Paul is talking to the, to the local church at Thessalonica, and he is saying, this is the people, this is the people that you have become. So who were these people? Who were these people who started this church at Thessalonica and Paul was commending them in such a way? Well, in verse 4, we see that they were an elect church. For example, he says, Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit. What's Paul saying? Paul is saying that this church originated with a group of saved people who wanted to make a difference for the kingdom, who wanted to be kingdom-minded. It, it wasn't just a gathering of important people or maybe highly educated people, and that's all great, or maybe, or maybe important business people. It was a group of people that heard the gospel and by faith received Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because if you really think about it, folks, talented people love talented people. I'm not one of them, but I love talented people. <laughs> talented people don't make the church. Important people don't make the church. Rich people or religious people don't make the church. The church is a, the church is a body of people who've accepted Christ, who want to make a difference. And so that welcomes all of us because we have been elect, we have been called by God to be that church, that body of believers, wherever we are, to, to make a difference in the world around us. It was an elect church, but also it was an empowered church. For example, look in verse 5. For your gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, in much insurance, as you know what kind of men we were. So Paul is saying here that this was a church, not only were they a group of people that, that had been saved and called, but they were in people, they were a group of people that were empowered by God. Why were they empowered by God? Because the Word of God was their foundation. The Holy Spirit was their source of energy and strength. They were dependent upon what God's Word said. Paul said in Romans 1.16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So this was, this was an empowered church that was making a difference, and we're going to see how big a difference, because they were anointed by God. And how did that anointed, anointing happen? Again, it happened because they prioritized the Word of God. And that's one of the things that, that needs to really be emphasized in our life as a believer, is how do I prioritize, 
How big a deal is it to me as a believer to have an intimate relationship with the God that made me? The God that made me. I was in the earlier service, I made this comment this morning. And I, I was talking to my wife about this the other day, and I know what I'm about to say. I, I said it a hundred times and thought it a hundred times. But I was talking to my wife the other morning, I said, just think about it. God is the creator. I am the created. Is that not awesome? Think about that. God created you. God created me. I am created by God. I don't know, when I thought about that the other day, it kind of, I don't know, kind of made me feel good. God created me. It makes me feel even more personal to him. And it's, as the, the Apostle Paul says here, he created me, he elected me, he, in other words, he called me, he chose me, he called and chose you, and he empowered us through the Word of God. Uh, Alex, Alexis, I believe is the way you pronounce it, Tocqueville, uh, who, who was a French historian back, I, I remember, I can't remember the years, I think it was like in the 1700s, it might have been earlier. But he came over to America and he said, I want to find out what makes America so great. And so he came and here's, what he, here's some of what he said, talking about the greatness of America. He said, I sought for the key to the greatness and genius of America in her harbors, in her fertile fields, in her public school systems and institutions of learning. I sought for her democratic, in her democratic Congress, and I looked in her matchless constitution. But it wasn't until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of its genius and power. Amen, right? It was the, it was the pulpits of America and the Word of God that birthed, sustained, and empowered the country and the local assembly for America to be what it is today. And it will be the same thing that carries America for the future to come. Amen? The very same thing. The foundation of the Word of God. That's what empowers us. And Paul says to these group of believers... He said, you're such an empowered people. Have you ever thought about wanting to be anointed of God? Have you ever thought about wanting to have His power in your life? That's what Paul's talking about. Having that anointing. And how does that happen? That happens by me prioritizing my relationship with Jesus Christ. It happens by me being in my Bible being in God's Word, preferably every morning, but every day, and letting God speak to my soul. The best way that you can relate better to other people, the best way that you can impact other people's lives is to let God impact your life, is to let God help you to get to know who you are, to let for God to get you to the place, get me to the place in my life to where I know who I am, so 
God can define who I am. You see, we become empowered when God tells us who we are. Amen? We become empowered when I am not allowing the media or the culture or other people to define me. I know who I am. What did Paul say? I know who I am by the what? The grace of God. And that's a powerful thing for us is to know who we are. And how does that happen? That happens through God's Word and the Holy Spirit as we spend our time. So many people say, I don't know who I am. I don't know my purpose in life. I don't know why I'm here. Oh, but God does. God knows why you're here. God knows what your purpose is. God knows why after he saved you, he just didn't take you home. He left you here because he has a purpose for your life. And that's part of being empowered is getting up every day and knowing that you have this purpose, knowing that you have this relationship with Jesus Christ. But Paul also said, not only are they a empowered church, but Paul says, you are a embattled church. Look at verse six. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, you're an embattled church. In other words, you're not afraid to stand up and tell people who you are. You're not afraid to be identified as a believer. You're not afraid to make a stand for the things that God has put into your heart. And one of the things that God does for us in our life is he gives us conviction. He puts things inside of our hearts, inside of our minds, in our lives that he says, I want you to take a stand for this because it's who I am. And Paul says, you folks at Thessalonica, you're not, you're not hesitant. You're not shy about saying, this is, the, this is the stand that I take based on what God has said to me in my life. This is the model church member, one that's embattled, one that has been empowered, one that understands what it is that God has called us to do in our life. So what does he say? For example, I'll use one example. I had two or three scriptures here. First Peter says this in First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking who he may devour. Let's break that down just a little bit. First of all, we see here, talking about our enemy, the devil, who is real. He's personal. What does it say? It's he says, he's your adversary. And what does the devil do in your life? What does he do in my life? Well, if I've been saved, he can't take that from me. But he can take, he can take my joy. He can take my peace. He can even take my purpose. He can rob me of all those things if I let him. Why? Why would he want to destroy me? Why would he want to push on me and hinder me and, and be against me because he knows he can't take my soul but he doesn't want anything that will happen in my life that will glorify God so 
So the next thing, the best thing he can do for me is just keep me beat down, keep me confused, keep me aimless with no purpose in my life, keep my joy away from me, get my mind on other things that doesn't pertain to my relationship with God because he wants me to become ineffective. He wants me to become joyless. And so he's very personal. Then also... Not only is he personal, but he's planning. The Bible says he walks about. The Bible said he's got, he, he's, got a, he's got a plot. He may send people in my life that would trip me up. He may send a job into my life that would not be good for me. He may send some habit into my life that I've got accustomed to that's not good for me. The devil has a plan for how he wants to destroy you and how he wants to bring you down. And don't think for one minute, church, that we can drop our guard. The devil is there, but I'm going to tell you who's there even more so. That's the Lord Jesus. And he protects us and he helps us. But we have to make a, we have to make a choice to lean on him and, and not get caught up into this culture. And so, because that makes our life even more embattled. So Paul said to, to the church at Thessalonica, said, you guys have been through it. It cost you something. It cost you something to be a believer. It cost you to, to, to make a stand in the way that you did. It cost you, but you kept going forward. And, in my, and, and I still struggle with things, but in my early Christian life, I found out that not everybody is going to understand why I believe why I believe. Amen? Not everybody's going to like what I do. Not everybody's going to agree, even as a believer, maybe even from another believer. Not everybody's going to, listen, everybody can't be on the front row of your life. We've got to make choices in life as to who we are going to allow to speak into our lives. And Paul says, you folks have made those choices and you are in embattled church because you're taking a stand. Then he also, I think, he says, he says also that you are an example, church. Look at verse 7 and 8. In verses 7, he said, So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but into every place. Their testimony was true. And the Bible says they became examples to other people. People should know where we stand. But what I was thinking about this morning is that, you know, when you, when you become a believer, you don't have to, you don't really, if, if there's anything that people don't like, it's believers who think they're better than other people. So we, don't, we want to be careful with that. But at the same time, when we become believers and God changes our life, the word will get out on you. They'll say, he's acting a little strange. Or she's, she's, she's got some different ideas now. Or the word will begin to get out on you and I because, because God's, the revelation of who is in us the power of the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal, wow, 
His temper's not there anymore. Wow. <laughs> he sure is a kind, she sure is a kind person now. Or wow, can you believe for the last three mornings they got up and they went to that church? The word gets out on you. And so I think a good test for me is to ask the question, do people know who I am or am I a silent partner? Do people know who I am as a believer? Paul said to these people here, he said, you're an example church. Again, the church is not this building. The church is you and me when we go to work on Monday morning. The church is me when I go to the grocery store. Oh, pet peeve. And I have to check myself out. Ugh, I just had to repent. Had to check myself out. Or, or, or somebody gets ahead of me or whatever it might be. That's where the church is, is out in these different places of life that God wants us to be a light. And Paul says, you're an example church because of your caring and your conviction and because you are reaching out to other people. Paul says, that's what I've noticed. And not only have I noticed that about you, but others have noticed that about you as well. They were also an expanding church. In verse 8, he says, again, we just read it, for from you the word of the Lord was sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but everywhere. Paul says, the work of your church is expanding. And the work of the local body and the individual, the work of the, work of the local body of believers with a great commission mind, is always looking at who are other believers that we can, that we can help? Who are other, should we, should, we have, should we expand our services or should we do this or should we do that? Or We're always looking for ways to get the gospel out in a different area, in a different way, and encouraging other people who were trying to do the same thing. And Paul says, Paul says, your church is expanding, or your, your, your testimony is expanding because you have decided that the most important thing about your life is not your job. The most important thing about your life is maybe not your education or your careers or the stuff that you have. You've decided that the most important thing about your life is to put the gospel forth. And I, I probably, and everybody in this room, there's something that you know that's happening. There's something happening somewhere with somebody, a group of people, or whatever it is, that breaks your heart. That just man, it just makes you, it just moves you. Well, let me ask you something. Do you think the devil would give you that? That's from God. That's from God. God, God puts his hand on our hearts. He puts his hand in our lives and he shows us the many needs and as individuals and as a body of believers, 
and also as individuals, we say, I want to make a difference. I'm so reminded of Jeremiah, I'm sorry, Nehemiah, when he found out the walls had been burnt down, the Bible says that he asked, and the Bible says when they told him what had happened, the Bible says that for four months he prayed and fasted and he immediately sat down and wept. I think as a, as a believer, I have to ask this question to myself, have I lost my burden? Y'all know what a burden is? Have I lost my burden for the things around me? Have I lost my tears for those who are going through whatever they may be going through in life? Have I lost my burden? And Paul says to these people here, you guys have a vision. As individuals and as a, as a local assembly, y'all have a vision. But, I, but you know, I'm going to give you this little tidbit and I'm going to move on. Nothing happens out there until something happens in here. And nothing happens in here until something happens in here. This is where it starts. This is where it starts. Me as an individual, me as a follower of Christ, to be that church member, that model member that is expanding the Lord's work in my life. And then he says also that they are an expectant church. Well, Keith, what do you mean by that? In verse 10, he says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised up from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. The model church, the model believer, does everything with the focus of Jesus is coming soon. Amen? Everything that we do is because we know that the clock is ticking. And we know, as the scriptures tell us, to redeem the time. The scripture tells us to work while it is light, for night is coming. Paul says to the believers here, he said, wow, you guys are an expectant church. You're working because you know as soon this is going to happen and you're working, you're doing this. You're doing this because this is the window of opportunity that you have for God to work in your life. And there's so many people that need help. You know, I don't know about you, and I, I hadn't even thought about this until now, and I'm going to move on. But outside of losing my life, outside of losing, of course, people that I love, you know what one of the greatest figures I've ever had, I have sometimes, is to lose whatever giftedness God has given me. I don't want to lose what God's gifted me with. I don't want to ever be able to where I can't teach. I don't want to ever be to where the way God's gifted me, whatever that gift might be, I don't want to lose that. I don't want, I don't want that because I know the Lord's coming. He's coming. So I would just say to all my brothers and sisters today, how about your giftedness? How about your calling in life? How about your calling as a model church member? What is God saying to you? And you know what? God will make himself clear. 
And God makes himself clear to us when he speaks to our hearts. For us to be the model church, the church today has to have the courage to assess reality. What are, the, what, are, what are some of the elephants in the room that we need to be talking about in the body of Christ that where people are hurting, that we're not there yet? We need, to, we need to meet people where they are. And then also to make a commitment to reclaim community. I was reading this this morning. It says, there was a time when the church was the center of its community. The local government was considerate of what the church thought. I know things have changed. But don't y'all believe we need to reclaim community? <laughs> don't you believe that for me personally, for me personally, the, the places where I've lived in my life and where I grew up, I was saying this this morning, I want to give back. I took so many years from the teachers and the, and the people at the church and the, and the medical people and all, the, all those years, they were a blessing to me. It's time for me to be a blessing to them. It's time for the local assembly, for us, for me as a believer, to say, how can I make a difference in my community? And then also, for us to be the model member or the model church, we must know how to contextualize so that we can evangelize. How do we break the gospel down to where people can understand how much God loves them? It doesn't matter who you are. You cannot be told too many times, hey, God loves you. Let's say that again. God loves you. Isn't that awesome? He loves you. And then I think the most important thing is this. For us to be a model church and model members, we need to pray and ask God to help us stay authentic. To help us stay real. The first priority that God has for the believer is to maintain, as the Holy Spirit works, to maintain their integrity. I want to be real. Not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. But I want to be an authentic believer. A true follower of the one that created me. So let me ask you this morning, in love, I want to ask you, as a believer... Do you know your purpose in life? Do you know what God's called you to do? Have you ever given a lot of thought? Maybe some of you are thinking, yeah, I know. I just haven't got there yet. Or maybe also you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You say, Keith, if I were to die today, I don't know where I'd go. Please don't, please don't hesitate on that. But as the model, as the model church, where are you in that? What would Paul be able to say about me? What would Paul be able to say about you? We are the body of Christ. Listen, you got up this morning, and you know what you had because you're saved? Hope. Hope. Hope, amen? Hope. Because the one that makes the sun comes up loves me more. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast from Hope Point Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. If you would like to learn more about us or give to this ministry, please go to our website at hopepoint.org. We hope you can join us again next week.